Hey there, future fans. This week, old people are up to no good, middle-aged people are on a mission, and young people just need a hand. This is the week of November 15th, 2019, and you are listening to episode 156 of Future Flicks with Billiam. Right, everyone, welcome to the show. We have quite a week this week. Uh, once again, we have more movies in the wide releases than limited, but not as big as a discrepancy as last week. We even have a couple movies in the limited release section that on a different week will be, not might be, but will be in the wide releases in Interesting Indies. What do I mean? Stay tuned and find out. That's a verbal clickbait. Or I guess not actually, since you've already clicked per se. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you what it is I do on this show, just in case you're new. And if you're new, welcome. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Future Flicks family. You are now a future friend. If you are already a future friend, if you've been with me since the beginning, or if you've joined somewhere along the way, as always, thank you for coming back. So let me tell you about this show, and I'll try to make it quick. On this show, we talk about movies. We love movies here. We talk about movie news, and then we talk about movie trailers. In both sections, those are any new news and any new trailers have caught my eye since the last episode. As always, if I miss anything, let me know, and I will mention it in the next episode. After that, we go into the movies. That's all the new releases. And I break it up into two categories. The first is the limited release section, then the wide releases and interesting indies. Both sections, I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, and who's in it, but that's where the limited section stops. In the wide releases and interesting indies, I do just a little more. I tell you my thoughts on the movie. Those are my thoughts that are based only on the trailers as I have no inside information. And then we wrap it all up with the Bill score, also known as the Billiams interest level score which can go anywhere from a zero for those terrible terrible films to an 11 for those films that make me feel like i got ants in my pants because i just gotta see them then we wrap it all up with the question of the week and then i send you along your way to listen to the other great shows in the somewhat nerdy podcast network well that is it for the intro let us start with our first segment which as always is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. Director Ryan Johnson, who directed Star Wars The Last Jedi, and who is directing the upcoming Knives Out, spoke out against people who have issues with the diversity in the new Star Wars movies, and he said, and I quote, F*** them. Or to be more precise, if they don't like it, F*** them. Which, you know what, is a good point. Because I think Star Wars is doing it well. It feels genuine, you know, because I would have a problem with the diversity only if and only if it felt disingenuine. If they felt that if it felt like they were just placating to us, if it felt like they were just trying to make a buck off a movement. But uh, it, to me, it feels genuine. And I like these characters. I like the fact that we're seeing more people of color, more women in the Star Wars universe. I mean, the now defunct Star Wars Expanded Universe always had people of color and women, a lot of women in it. And now the movies are finally reflecting that a little more. And just a quick note, if something that I just said, like if, if this first story and the next story, if it doesn't seem like it matches up quite right, it's because I had to re-record this story because I noticed when I went to editing, half of the track was missing. I, I assume you know the difference of stereo versus mono. So for one part of it, what's normally a stereo track, which now that I think about it, I don't really see why it's a stereo track, because I think mono would be fine, right? But anyway, it cuts out. So there's there was no sound in the left side for a good portion of that story. So I had to re-record it. So there's your explanation. If one was even needed in the first place, I don't know. I'm just covering my ass here. 
This next story from comicbook.com is about, well, all these attacks recently from a couple of claim directors and a couple of people who have no f***ing business talking about it, all the attacks on Marvel. Kevin Feige breaks his silence on this, and he says, and I quote, and this is actually responding to Martin Scorsese's comments about there being no revelation, mystery, emotional danger, no risk in Marvel movies. Kevin Feige says, I think that's not true. I think it's unfortunate. I think myself and everybody that works on these movies loves cinema, loves movies, loves going to the movies, loves to watch a communal experience in a movie theater full of people. I think it's fun for us to take our success and use it to take risks and go in different places. Everybody has a different definition of cinema. Everybody has a different definition of art. Everybody has a different definition of risk. Some people don't think it's cinema. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. Everyone is entitled to repeat that opinion. Everyone is entitled to write op-eds about that opinion, and I look forward to what will happen next. But in the meantime, we're going to keep making movies. So thank you, Kevin Feige, for your answer. But for my answer, I just turned to the definition of cinema, which is, one of them is, the production of movies as an art or industry. There, I solved it. It is cinema by the f***ing definition of cinema. But the good news is, I think all this talk is dying down. Especially since one of the last people to talk about this, or, or to speak out against Marvel, is Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston commenting on Marvel is like your local public access channel commenting on HBO. You're not in the same league. This next story, ladies and gentlemen, comes from Think. I'm not telling you to think that's where it comes from. Oh, I lied. It's actually from NBC. I see the little peacock there, but their headline just says Think. You NBC, don't tell me what to do. Anyway, this story is about a movie from Nigeria called Lionheart, which has been disqualified from contention for the Oscar for Best International Film. So, so here's why it was disqualified. First, let me tell you that Best International Film was previously known as Best Foreign Language Film. It was just recently changed to Best International Film, and it was disqualified because in this movie that takes place in Nigeria, that was made in Nigeria. It is a Netflix movie, but it is a Nigerian original film. So basically that just means Netflix threw some money and people at it, but it's still a Nigerian project. So in this Nigerian film called Lionheart, they speak mo mostly English. Is this to placate American audiences who may not know Nigerian's l language of Igbo? Igbo? I'm probably, probably terribly mispronouncing it. If any of you out there know that language, just uh, tell me how to say it. But here's where the controversy comes in. Because people do speak English in Nigeria. It is one of the common languages. The common languages there, according to this article and all the research I did, was Igbo and English. In this movie, they speak Igbo and English. Maybe more English... And I can see why, because even though this is a film in Nigeria, they want to show their work to the world. A lot of the world speaks English, well, movie viewing world, at least, not taking China into account. But people are, of course, upset that this movie is no longer able to contend for the Best International Film Oscar. And that is because there is a role for this Oscar where it has to be a predominantly non-English dialogue track. Oh, apparently I was wrong about the two languages in Nigeria. So a, a a tweet from the director of the movie says that I am the director of Lionheart. This movie represents the way we speak as Nigerians. This includes English, which acts as a bridge between the 500 plus languages spoken in our country, thereby, thereby making us one Nigeria. The director goes on to say, this is no different from how French connects communities in former French colonies. We did not choose who colonized us. As ever, this film, and many like it, is proudly Nigerian. There's also some people questioning that is Lionheart being disqualified for this Oscar have anything to do with Netflix acquiring the film? So I want to know, some of you, what's your take on this? Because it, it is a film from another country. This was a film made in Nigeria. It's not like Netflix sent over a bunch of Americans and go, here, make a movie in Nigeria, then we'll try and get a foreign language Oscar for it. Apparently, a lot of Nigerian movies are in English because, guess what, they speak English. So should they be penalized, even though they speak English only because of English colonization? This whole kerfuffle only strengthens my belief that the Oscars are bullshit. In a story from Forbes, the Joker, or just Joker, becomes the most profitable comic book movie ever. No, it did not take down Avengers Endgame for a highest grossing movie ever, 
This is profit when the cost to make the film is taken into account. So when you take how much the movie is made and compare it to how much it costs to be made, its percentage of profit is bigger than apparently any movie ever. This next story, folks, comes to us from Fox News. If you heard about this, and I don't know how you haven't heard about this, but I don't know, some of you don't pay attention to the news because guess what? The news is sad and usually depressing. Uh, James Dean has been cast in a movie. If you're thinking to yourself, James Dean, the porn star, of course he's in movies. It's called porn. No, I'm talking about James Dean, the actor who died on September 30th in 1955. Yes, he has been cast in a new movie about the Vietnam War. The movie is called Finding Jack and James Dean will be playing a supporting role. So how is he playing a supporting role, you may ask? They're not just cutting together old footage of movies of his. They are using motion capture and some sort of voice voodoo magic witchcraft to put him in the film. This has got a huge rise out of a lot of people. A lot of people angry about this. And I get it. I get why they're angry about this. But the family spoke out and apparently the family has given the okay. The the people behind this movie went to the family, talked to them about their vision, why they wanted James Dean. And the family said yes. So here's my question to you now. What do you think about this? Do you think that it is, it's okay because they got the family's the family's permission? Or do you think, no, it's still not okay? In a story from Uprox, the Has Fallen series starring Gerard Butler is going to get three more sequels, so yay? Uh, in a story from comicbook.com, we're not going to talk about Ghostbusters, the new one coming out in 2020. Uh, Dan Aykroyd has confirmed the return of the original cast, which, yeah, we, we kind of knew that, so I'm, I'm wondering why this is news. Reading the article tells us nothing new. And this next story comes to us from Forbes. There, there was a little bit of, of fear for some people for a while because apparently the Marvel TV shows on Disney Plus were going to tie into the MCU. So some people were looking at all of that confusing shit with all of the DC shows with Supergirl, Arrow, Flash, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, and all their crossovers and how it gets gets so muddled and hard to follow people were worried going am i not going to be able to understand and enjoy a marvel movie because i don't keep up with all the tv shows well no kevin feige said that said to Bloom, bloomberg that you're not going to have to watch the upcoming disney plus marvel tv shows that's wandavision falcon and the winter soldier loki uh, etc to understand the upcoming marvel movies he said to be pacific if you want to understand everything in future Marvel movies, you will probably need a Disney Plus subscription. But will you be confused and hate it if you don't have them? No. In a story from Entertainment Weekly, Chris Pine is going to play Walter Cronkite in Newsflash, a movie about the eve of JFK's death. In an interesting story from Flickering Myth, Avengers Endgame writers Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely talked about why the Marvel TV characters like the Defenders weren't involved in the movies. And that he said, or they said, is because of the timing. The shows get put out a little more frequently than the movies, and so they said they wouldn't know where the individual TV characters would be in their story by the time the Marvel movie came out. And probably, too, it would affect it the other way. Like, if, if Avengers Infinity War affected the Marvel TV shows, then they'd have to wait for Mar uh, Avengers Endgame for any resolution at all, even though the resolution didn't matter because all, all of them were canceled anyway. In a story from Flickering Myth... Director of Independence Day Resurgence, Roland Emmerich, blames the disastrous film on Will Smith's exit from the feature. He said Will Smith choosing to shoot Suicide Squad instead forced him to rewrite the script last minute, thus why it sucked so bad, and Mr. Roland Emmerich, that is a bullshit excuse. You are seasoned enough of a director to know that if it was going to be that bad of a film without him, to just not f***ing do it. You idiot in a story from entertainment weekly the haunting of hill house creators say the follow-up will be a little more frightening than the original which is good because even though i liked the original it wasn't scary at all it had like one or two jump scares that was it oh no actually there's that one scene where the kids were hiding from that super tall ghost thing that that was a little uh, gave me the heebie-jeebies a bit but the rest of the show wasn't scary 
from NME, Elijah Wood says he wants to remake A Nightmare on Elm Street, to which the world as one spoke up in one voice, saying, please no. In a story from GameSpot, there are few new cast members to Matt Reeves' The Batman. The first is Colin Farrell cast as the Penguin. We already know of Matt Reeves, uh, not Matt Reeves, we already know about Zoe Kravitz and Paul Dano being in it, but now Andy Serkis is going to play Alfred. And my friends, I am still hopeful for this film. In a story I'm not really going to talk about from Cinema Blend, uh, they just had this article saying, see what John Krasinski and Emily Blunt could look like in the Fantastic Four. And I just thought that was cool because I would like to see them. Like, don't give me some young, hip, early 20s Fantastic Four again. Give me adults. And actually, that's it for the news stories for this week. So, ladies and gentlemen, as always, if I miss something, please let me know. I will talk about it next week. So without further ado, let us take our first break as we hear word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. Please stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, folks, it is time for everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to The Trailer Trove. We're going to start with a trailer for The Invisible Man starring Elizabeth Moss and directed by Leigh Whannell, who brought us movies like Insidious. Uh, and yes, you heard that right, The Invisible Man. And no, this is not part of the Dark Universe. This will not tie into The Mummy or any any of that other stuff they're planning at all. In fact, the person that they originally wanted as The Invisible Man... Johnny Depp is not in this. Instead, The Invisible Man is played by Oliver Jackson Cohen. This film is about Cecilia, a, a young woman who runs from an abusive ex. She then finds out the ex has killed himself and has bequeathed her his fortune of $5 million. But interesting thing is that it comes with a catch. If she's ever proven mentally incompetent, the, the money will be taken from her. As she starts to get her life back together, things get a little weird, and she believes he's not actually dead. In fact, she believes that he has developed a way to turn himself invisible and then faked his own death to get revenge on her for leaving him. This is, of course, based on the book by H.G. Wells, but it was adapted in this different version by Leigh Whannell, the director. This film has a release date of February 28th, 2020. Next up in the trove, we have to talk about this awful trailer for a movie called Scoob. This is an animated movie coming out next year on May 15th, and it it looks f***ing awful. I'll be quite honest, I never saw the, was it 2002? Yeah, the 2002-2004 Scooby-Doo movies with Sarah Michelle Gillar and Freddie Prince Jr., Matthew Lillard, Linda Cardinelli. But those movies captured the spirit of Scooby-Doo. I mean, Scooby looked weird as a CG dog. He looked really weird, but they, but they captured the spirit really well. This movie looks like it takes the spirit of Scooby-Doo and exercises it, sends it on its way, and all we have is a soulless husk. Because, okay, let's just start with the obvious, the voices. The voices, the voices sound a little off, and that's because none of of the actors who are doing the voices have voiced the characters before. And while normally that's not bad if you get a professional voice actor, someone who would be able to copy the voice well, it just sounds wrong. And okay, so they did get Frank Welker to do Scooby. Frank Welker, who is the has been the voice of Scooby for a long time. Frank Welker, who Chris and the rest of the somewhat nerdy crew met. So they, they got that part right, but they have Fred is Zac Efron. Daphne is Amanda Seyfried. Velma's Gina Rodriguez and Shaggy's Will Forte. Will Forte wasn't that bad. It was still off. But the other ones, why do we need f***ing Zac Efron, Amanda Seyfried, Gina Rodriguez? Why do we need these f***ing people to voice a goddamn Scooby-Doo movie? Just get the f***ing voice actors from the current cartoon, which is called Scooby-Doo Guess Who? Because this is a f***ing animated movie. 
So the star power is going to do very little to sell this film. Like a fan of Zac Efron's, oh, Mark Wahlberg also does a voice, but he's an original character for this. And so does uh, Jason Isaac. And uh, Ken Jong is Dino Mutt Dog Wonder. Oh, well, Captain Caveman, Tracy Morgan. But still, this star power will do nothing for it because this is mainly going to be an animated family comedy. If you like Amanda Seyfried, if you like Zac Efron, you're not going to go, oh, I should go see their new movie. No, it, it's a f***ing voice cast. So the animation looks bad. The cat, the voice cast is wrong. And Scooby talks way too fucking much. He has full lines of dialogue, which should not be. This movie looks awful. And I, and the, the best thing about it is the I'm going to say when it comes out May 15th and you listen to that episode and I just all over it. Just like I took a pint of spoiled sour cream and just ate it. That's the kind of that I'm going to take on this. So let's talk about the brand new Sonic the Hedgehog trailer that came out fully revealing to us the new and so vastly improved Sonic. And oh my God, I now have a different view on this movie. And yes, it doesn't escape me that my view that the that when I first saw the first trailer that this movie is going to be a substantial flop, it was going to be a huge piece of shit was 100% the design of the character. Because now it seems like the only thing they changed about the trailer, the only thing they changed about the film was Sonic's design. But that is key. That is super important because he looked f***ing horrible. He looked like stuff that nightmares were made out of. And now he looks more like the Sonic we know. Is this film going to be good? I, I don't know. I still don't know. I'm still kind of on the fence on this film in general. I don't think it looks bad, but I still think it's going to be either for children and or for fans of the games. The only thing I know for sure is that it looks a whole lot better with this new design. If you haven't seen the new design yet, check it out. We also have a new trailer, which I think is the final trailer for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. This is, again, the Mr. Rogers movie with Tom Hanks playing Mr. Rogers. And after watching the trailer, if this film doesn't make me ugly cry, I am going to be so shocked because I was getting choked up just watching the trailer, just hearing the Mr. Rogers theme in the trailer played just on the piano. And it it just hit me because this is my childhood. This is probably your childhoods, too. So we have one of the most beloved actors in Hollywood, one of the nicest actors actors in Hollywood like I, I'm not sure if I've ever heard a bad story about him and you know maybe who knows there may be bad stories out there of Tom Hanks but the vast majority of things you hear and see are him just being an awesome human being and I think he's the best person to play Mr. Rogers and this film looks like it's going to be amazing a beautiful day in the neighborhood comes out on November 22nd this year next up folks we have a trailer for Ip Man 4 This is supposed to be the final one in the movies with Donnie Yen playing the great Ip Man. And if you haven't seen any of these movies before, do yourself a favor and first bow your head in shame that you have never seen an Ip Man movie and then go and watch the first three. The first two are great. I love them. The third one, not as good as the first two, but it's just more, it's just more of Donnie Yen as Ip Man, which is amazing. This one looks like it could be better than three. At the very least, it's just more Donnie Yen, which is what I need in my life. That movie comes out December 25th in America. In China, it comes out December 20th. And as far as I can tell, my future friends, that is it for the trailers. Once again, if I missed something, let me know and I'll talk about it on the next episode. And you know what? I may be missing more things coming up just because my my job has changed again, kind of. And the changing of my hours has kind of messed with the show a bit. That's why you'll be seeing more Friday shows instead of coming out on Thursday. And this new position is only for three months, so we will see what happens after that. Well, my future friends, let us take our next break as we hear word from our friends at the Nerds of the Squared Circle podcast. Please stay tuned. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling do you like wrestling yeah Yeah. then you should listen to our podcast do you not like wrestling 
You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read a comms, Nerds in the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Squared Circle on someonenerdy.com. All right, we are back. We are back with the limited release section, and we're starting with a movie called Scandalous, the true story of the National Enquirer. This is the sensational true story of the National Enquirer, the infamous tabloid with a grasp on its readers' darkest curiosities. Uh, this documentary could be interesting. It, it really could, but I wish that, at least from the look of the trailer, it doesn't look like they're focusing on the crazy bullshit that the Inquirers talked about. Instead, it looks like they'll kind of be hinting a little bit of that, a little bit of the crazy stories like Bat Boy or Half Man, Half Woman ha has, has Own Baby, stuff like that. But it also looks like they're going to be focusing on the actual acts of journalism the National Enquirer did, but that's not interesting. I, I don't really give a shit. Like, good for you, National Enquirer. You got something right once in a while. I, I want to hear about how they make these ridiculous stories. That's, that's why I want to hear. Next up, folks, we have a movie called Mickey and the Bear. Faced with the responsibility to take care of her addicted veteran father, headstrong teen Mickey Peck keeps her household afloat. This stars James Badge Dale from 13 Hours, and that's really it. But before we move on with the movies, uh, Anne reminded me that I forgot to talk about a movie she's excited for. It's an ABC original Christmas movie called Same Time Next Christmas, starring Leah Michelle from Glee and Scream Queens fame. And if I had seen this trailer on my own and it didn't say anything about ABC, I would have assumed it was going to Hallmark. This is one of those movies that look terrible, but you also know it's going to be, and you're okay with it because you love Christmas movies oh, oh so much. And maybe you're a fan of hers oh so much, like Anne is, so we will be watching this when it comes out December 5th. Oh, she does bring up a good point. It gets bonus points for actually coming out in December. So this movie is automatically better than a lot of the movies that have come out already. True, it's December 5th, almost a whole month away. 20 days, in fact, away from Christmas, but it is still f***ing December. So good job, Leah Michelle movie. Anyway, next up, we have a film called The Shed. Stan lives with his abusive grandfather and tries to protect his best friend from high school bullies. When he discovers a murderous creature has taken refuge inside his tool shed, he tries to battle the demon alone until his bullied friend discovers a creature and has far more sinister plans. This stars Frank Whaley from Vacancy and Timothy Bottoms from The Paper Chase. Next up, we have a film called The Warrior Queen of Jhansi. This is the true story of, and I apologize to all those of Indian descent who I'm about to offend, this is the true story of Lakshamibai, the historic queen of Jhansi who fiercely led her army against the British East India Company in the infamous mutiny of 1857. This is an Indian movie starring Devika Bish from... B-H-I-S-E B B -E, from The Man Who Knew Infinity, Jodie May from The Last of the Mohicans, and Rupert Everett from My Best Friend's Wedding. If you remember when this trailer came out, I was a little excited for it, but the more I thought about it, the more I realize it belongs in the limited section, and, and not just because it's going to be a, a relatively hard-to-find movie in America, but also because I, I think there are a lot better Indian movies that have come out before that have made it into the wide releases section. Next up is a film called Atlantics. This is a limited release, a limited theatrical release, and it's hitting Netflix on the 29th of this month. In a popular suburb of Kakar, workers on the construction site of a futuristic tower without pay for months decide to leave the country by the ocean for a better future. Among them is Solomon, the lover of Ada, promised to another. When Solomon is away, Ada's fiancé, gets murdered. People think Solomon did it, but he couldn't have done it, right? Because he was away on work. This is a movie from Senegal acquired by Netflix. So if I remember, we'll be talking about this again on the 29th. And finally, in the limited section is another film that's getting a limited release this week, but a wider Netflix release on the 29th, and that is called The Report. Idealistic Senate staffer Daniel J. Jones, tasked by his boss to lead an investigation into the CIA's post-9-11 detention and interrogation program, uncovers shocking secrets. This stars Adam Driver from Star Wars The Force Awakens, 
Annette Benning from The American President, John Hamm from Baby Driver, Corey Stoll from Ant-Man, Michael C. Hall from Dexter, Maura Tierney from Liar Liar, Tim Blake Nelson from Oh Brother Where Art Thou, Ted Levine from Silence of the Lambs, and Jennifer Morrison from House. And yes, this will probably be in the wide releases section on the 29th, but I, I don't think this looks good enough for you to see in theaters, especially because nothing about this looks like it would benefit the big screen would benefit it. I think this would be just as good at home on Netflix, which all y'all and I already have. So just wait. All right, folks, let us take our next break before we step into the wide releases and interesting indie section. So please stay tuned as we hear word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast. We'll be back. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that a jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wympodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're We're doing doing fine. All right, folks, we're back with the wide releases and interesting indies. And our first film is one we talked about last week, I think. Well, now Klaus has a wide Netflix release. A simple act of kindness always sparks another, even in a frozen faraway place. When Smearnsburg's new postman, Jesper, befriends former toy maker Klaus, their gifts melt an age-old feud and delivers a sleigh full of holiday traditions. This is an animated movie that features the voices of Jason Schwartzman, J.K. Simmons, Rashida Jones, and Joan Cusack. And yes, this was actually last week I talked about the film, so if you want to hear my my whole spiel on it, listen to episode 155. But this looks cute. It looks like a cute animated holiday film that you can watch with your, but you know, by yourself or with your family, with your loved ones, whoever, when Christmas time rolls around. Just like it did last week, Klaus still gets an 8 out of 11. Next up, folks, we have a documentary called Midnight Family. In Mexico City's wealthiest neighborhoods, the Ochoa family runs a private ambulance competing with other for-profit EMTs for patients in need of urgent help. So I just want to bring up a discrepancy between the premise that IMDb provided versus the trailer and what the trailer said. So in the trailer, we see this family who runs an ambulance, which I guess is a thing there. And it kind of reminds me that in America, some people know an ambulance as a debt taxi. And just because if you have to take one, you're going to be in debt. Because I guess to save your life, it costs a ton of money, as opposed to maybe, maybe just being a government service. I don't know. Maybe being paid for by your taxes. I don't know. But anyway, it looks like in Mexico, things are even worse. But why do I bring up the discrepancy between the trailer and the premise that IMDb provided? Well, that is because in the premise, it talks about in Mexico City's wealthiest neighborhoods. But in the trailer, we see this family who runs their own ambulance picking up patients who routinely say we cannot pay. So this family is going broke. They can barely feed themselves and they can barely put gas in the tank. So that doesn't tell me that they're in the wealthiest areas if these people can't pay. Anyway, I think this documentary looks really interesting. It, it does look well done as a, a couple times during the trailer, I thought it was a movie. It actually felt like a movie to me as in a fictional movie. 
So this does look interesting, ultimately skippable in theaters, but if it ever hits some sort of streaming service, why don't you check it out? Just why not? Midnight Family gets a 6 out of 11. Next up, folks, is a film called I Lost My Body, a story of Naufel, a young man who is in love with Gabrielle. In another part of town, a severed hand escapes from a dissection lab determined to find its body again. This is a French film. Yes, French film coming to Netflix. Maybe. I don't know. I know that this is a film acquired by Netflix. I don't know if it's hitting Netflix this week or if it's getting a theatrical release this week hitting Netflix later. But this features the voices of Dev Patel, Alia Shawkat, and George Went. And this looks interesting. This looks like one of those really weird, really, really weird animated films that could just be very good, but you would watch and you go, hey, I do like this. And now I can share this with people like, hey, friend, let me tell you about a movie I know for a fact you have never seen because what the f*** is this even? How did I even hear about this? If it wasn't for Billiam, I never would have noticed it. Thank you, Billiam, for doing God's work, and I would say you are welcome, listener. You are welcome, my future friend. But I think this looks entertaining, and I just have this feeling, I just really have this feeling that the young man who is in love with the woman, I think that this is his hand, and I think these two stories are being told separately. That the story of the young man and the girl he loves is a memory that the hand has, so I don't think the kid's going to still be alive. But basically, this movie feels like someone was watching Adam's Family and goes, Hey, I know. I have an idea. What if we have a movie and Thing is the main character? And you know what? Why not? This movie might not have made it in the wide releases and interesting indie section if it wasn't going to hit Netflix eventually. But since it is, it, it really makes me say, why not? Just try it. Just, just keep your eye open for when it hits Netflix and give it a shot. Worst case scenario, you don't like it, you turn it off. And you lost nothing but a little bit of your time, and I think finding a new movie that you like is worth that risk. I Lost My Body gets a 6 out of 11. Next up, friends, we have a film called Radio Flash. When a nuclear device causes an electromagnetic pulse that kills power to more than 200 million people, a teenage girl must help lead her family to survival in a dark new world. This stars Brighton Sharbino from The Walking Dead, Dominic Monaghan from The Lord of the Rings trilogy, Will Patton from Armageddon, and Fionola Flanagan from Four Brothers. So I would take this movie and I would put it with, I would just lump it in with a group of others that you can just pick any one of them and have a double feature that would feel like it fits really well. I would put this with that, with that Stanley Tucci Netflix movie, The Silence, or I would put it with that Martin Freeman movie, Cargo, or I would put it with Bird Box, or I would put it with A Quiet Place. It kind of has that feeling that it's not just about kind of this post-apocalyptic or maybe even during the apocalypse movie. It just kind of has that feeling. The same kind of story where we have we have a group of people who are trying to survive this, this really bad thing, be it an apocalypse that's currently going on or they're in the aftermath of it. So it feels like a formulaic film where we have these people and they have to complete some goal. And in this movie, the main bad guy is going to be what the world has become. Sure, there may, may be some other bad guy in it, but it's really people against the world. And I focus on such weird sh** sometimes that when I was watching this trailer, I couldn't help but think, would a big EMP really kill power forever? Because it feels like that's what's happening. It feels like power is out, so people are going crazy. This woman and her father have to get to where their grandfather lives, who was some sort of crazy mountain person already. So it just so happens that he's already ready for this. And I just see that that this this guy and his daughter are just like, oh, shit. next time we have a family dinner with grandpa, he's going to tell us he was right the whole time. And that's a kind of weird shit that went through my head during this trailer. It doesn't look bad. It really doesn't. But just like so many movies in the wide releases and interesting indie section, this looks like a film that would be well worth your time if it came out on streaming. If you could somehow watch it for free, then it would be worth your time. If it just came down to watching this in theaters or buying it, then I would still skip this. Radio Flash gets a 5.5 out of 11. Next up, folks, is a film called... Earthquake Bird that gets a Netflix release. An enigmatic translator 
with a dark past is brought in for questioning after an expat friend who came between her and her photographer boyfriend ends up missing and presumed dead. This stars Alicia Vikander from Ex Machina, Riley Keough from Logan Lucky, Jack Houston from Ben-Hur, Kiki Sukazani from Lost in Space, and Ken Yamamura from Godzilla. Once again, a movie that only made it because it's on Netflix, even though I like Alicia Vikander and Riley Keough, uh, I'm not too familiar with the other people in it. So even though I'm a, uh, I am a fan of the main two actresses in this, it still just looks okay. I mean, there are certain Netflix movies that look like they're going to be amazing. The Laundromat looked like one of those. It wasn't. Check out my review on my new blog, BilliamTheNerd.com. But it wasn't. But it looked like it was going to be. The Irishman looks like it's going to be. There are movies that are coming out on Netflix now that looks like it's going to be big sh**. This looks like one of the standard Netflix movies that we're so used to that might be good, but I would never, ever see it in theaters. And I kind of feel proud of saying that because this takes place in Japan with Japanese actors. I feel proud of myself that I didn't automatically like it because it has my people in it. So I feel like I took big steps here and uh, you're welcome. You're welcome for the growth, for being able to experience the growth I go through with me. Yay. That is just a bonus of Future Flicks with Billiam. Me growing as a person over 156 episodes, technically... 169? <laughs> 69. 169 episodes, technically, I think. Anyway, this doesn't look bad. It really doesn't. And it has a solid cast, but if it wasn't on Netflix, I would have skipped this 100%, and it would even have been on the limited section. Earthquake Bird gets a 5.5 out of 11. Next up, we have a movie that made me really torn, and... It has two possible names. I've seen two names for this. I've seen it under All Rise, and I've seen it under Monster. So for the rest of this show, I'm going to be talking about it as Monster. Monster is what prosecutors call 17-year-old honor student Steve Harmon. He is being charged with felony murder. But is Steve really a monster? This stars Kelvin Harrison Jr. from It Comes at Night, Jeffrey Wright from Westworld, Tim Blake Nelson from The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Jennifer... Ellie from Zero Dark Thirty, John David Washington from Ballers, Jarrell Jerome from When They See Us, and Jennifer Hudson from Sandy Wexler. And I wasn't sure about this movie in two ways. A, I wasn't sure about the name, and B, I just wasn't sure about the movie, because I, I couldn't really get a good feeling for this film by the trailer, but still, the trailer captured my attention. It really did. I took notice of this movie, even though I... I'm still not sure. I'm still so on the fence, even though it's like, I feel like I'm still on the fence, even though my foot's probably touching the yes side of this. Because the trailer did something right. The trailer really made me go, huh, this could be a thing. And you know what? I like me some mysteries. I, I would like it if this movie was a, was a mystery, which it sounds like it's going to be like that this kid, this Steve Harmon kid, this honor student, this seemingly good kid, he did something or he put himself in some position or, or something happened that it made him a suspect in a murder. And I really hope that what he did to be suspected of the murder was more than just being black. Because I feel that, that if a movie is going to talk about something as such a hot button topic like the racial injustice in the criminal justice system, then the movie should be honest about it and sell itself like that. So that's why I hope this film is not really about that. Because like I said, if it is about that, it would be fine, but it should be more honest about it in the trailer. All Rise gets a 6.5 out of 11. Next up, folks, we have a movie called Charlie's Angels. When a young systems engineer blows the whistle on a dangerous technology... Charlie's Angels are called into action, putting their lives on the line to protect us all. This stars Kristen Stewart from Snow White and the Huntsman, Naomi Scott from Power Rangers, Elizabeth Banks from the Pitch Perfect series, Patrick Stewart from Dune, Jimin Honsu from Gladiator, Sam Claflin from Me Before You, and Noah Centineo from All the Boys I've Loved Before. So Anne and I just watched Terminator Dark Fate, and it was a baller movie. It was, it was thoroughly enjoyable as a blockbuster film which is what you should expect going into it, honestly. But anyway, we just watched that film, and Charlie's Angels was one of the trailers 
before the movie. And she commented on something that I 100% agree with. It's that Kristen Stewart is the only angel that has any sort of personality and the other two I kept on forgetting which was which. Kristen f***ing Stewart, Bella from Twilight, is the one with the most personality who looks like she's doing the best job out of all the angels. And she doesn't only look like she's doing the best job because the others look like crap. She looks like she's doing the best job because she's good. I've said it before, and I'll say it as many times as I have to. I think that even though it put them all in the spotlight, I think Twilight was the lowest point in all of their careers. Just because I don't think you could have been good in that movie. I think that Bella and Edward were the worst characters in the film. I think the books and the movies should have been about like, Alice and Jasper. I didn't even read the the whole first book. I didn't even watch the movies beyond the first one. But everything I did experience from that, from what little I did, is that everyone else was more interesting than the main characters. That being said, since then, both Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart have risen out of those ashes to be actually amazing. Kristen Stewart can not only act, but she is very aware now of her limitations, of what she can and can't do, and picks movies accordingly. And she has emotions. She looks really good in this. If they had gotten any other two actresses for the other two, uh, for the other two angels, or maybe it's not just the actresses, because I do like, like Naomi Scott. So maybe it was bad writing and bad direction, but I feel bad saying that because this was written and directed by Elizabeth Banks, who I like. She did the Pitch Perfect movies. She did worked on Power Rangers. I liked both of those. Somewhere along the line, this went wrong. And like I said, when the first trailer came out, I think this would have been better, first off, if they didn't call it Charlie's Angels, if they made some other spy movie just called it anything else had it have nothing to do with charlie's angels and just have a uh, just have a spy movie with these people in it that would have been good because it wouldn't have the charlie's angels tv show and the charlie's angels movies the previous movies hanging over them for comparison i know the two charlie's angels movies got a lot of crap but they still have a big fan base. The TV show is beloved by a lot of people, so this movie is going into it at a disadvantage. You add the fact that at least in the trailer, two-thirds of the angels are forgettable and boring, and that this feels like an origin story because we have one of the angels meeting the group at this time and thus becoming an angel through it, so we have these two things against it. I don't think there was any way it could have been good. And I don't want to see this. The only way I would watch this is if it hits a streaming service I already have or if I can somehow see it for free. Because then I would feel like maybe I should because what if it is really good and I could then tell you, hey, this movie isn't as bad as the trailers make it look. But right now I have to base this on the trailer. The only good angel is Kristen Stewart. And with only one of the three being interesting, you have to pass on this movie. Charlie's Angels gets a four out of 11. Next up, folks, we have a film called Waves. This traces the journey of a suburban African-American family led by a well-intentioned but domineering father as they navigate love, forgiveness, and coming together in the aftermath of a loss. This stars Taylor Russell from Lost in Space and Kelvin Harrison Jr. from Monsters and Men. So I know that premise sounds like artsy bullshit, and normally I would hate it. And then I do. I, I do hate how, how try-hard that sounds. But the movie does look good. This does look like a fun film. Fun. Fun's the wrong word. Fun is the wrong word for this. It looks like a it looks like a good movie that will make you feel feelings. But something that kept it from not being the pick of the week isn't just the fact that two other better looking movies are coming out, but it's the fact that this could equally be a boring mess. The trailer showed this movie that could be poignant, could be touching, could have a good story could show us a very interesting and unfortunately relatable family dynamic for quite a few people, or it could be a boring, artsy mess. If any of you aren't familiar with my use of the term artsy, I usually use it as a negative thing because I think that when something's artsy, it's trying too hard. I think it is, I, I think it's being disingenuine. I think it is purposely trying to sell us something that should come naturally. So 
from the trailer I saw, this film straddles that border where it could go either way. This could be an interesting film. It could be well worth your time. It could be a movie that you do watch and go, wow, that was actually pretty good. I'm glad I watched this. Or you could watch it going, what the f*** was that? What was this director trying to do? Who wrote this script? I don't understand what's going on. If you know me, I would prefer it to be good. I'd prefer all movies to be good. I would like to be able to go to see any movie, no matter what it is, and go, that was a fucking great movie. I love this shit. But you also know that I believe trailers should sell the movie to us, should prove to us why this film is worth our time. And I think this film doesn't really ease any, any mis- any fears I may have about the film. So though right now I am leaning towards it being a good film, it, it could very well not be. And while I think that's, that is something you can say about any movie, it doesn't matter what the film, it could be good or it could be not good. Well, no shit. But with a trailer like this, I think that it's even more on the fence than any other film. So the trailer did, did just enough to get on this side of the limited releases and wide releases fence. Waves gets a 6 out of 11. All right, folks, two movies left, and the last movie that's not the pick of the week is called... And I can't believe I'm saying this. Ford versus Ferrari. American car designer Carol Shelby and driver Ken Miles battle corporate interference, the laws of physics, and their own personal demons to build a revolutionary race car for Ford and challenge Ferrari at the 24 Hours of Le Mans in 1966. This stars Matt Damon from Courage Under Fire, Christian Bale from American Psycho, Kate Riona Balf, or however you say it, from Outlander, John Bernthal from The Accountant, Noah Jupe from Wonder, and Tracy Letts from The Big Short. And oh my god, what's with this month? First we have a Ewan McGregor movie that didn't become the pick of the week, and then we have a Matt Damon movie that didn't become the pick of the week. My two biggest Hollywood man crushes, the two actors who can do no wrong in my eyes, and they're not the pick of the week? What the actual f*** is going on? Well, I think you'd understand when I talk about the next film, The Pick of the Week, when you see the, the two main stars, you'll go, oh, that's why. Of course. Billiam would have been stupid to pick anything else. But even though this isn't The Pick of the Week, I still really want to see this. I do think this looks good. This was a movie that I never wanted. I mean, I, I've known about Carol Shelby working with Ford to beat Ferrari at Le Mans. I've known about that. My dad's a car guy. He's told me so many times. But never once did I sit back and go, you know what would make a great movie? Carol Shelby and Ken Miles. That would be a great film. No, I never once thought that. But now that I've seen this trailer, now that I've seen a couple trailers for this movie, I am stoked for it. I think the people behind this movie took a premise, took, took an idea that never needed to be turned into a movie, and turned it into a movie, and then proved to me through the trailer that, yes, I do need to see this. This trailer did what all other trailers should do. It showed me a film I wanted to see, even though the basic idea, the whole thing it's based off of, is something I never would have picked up and go, yes, let's turn this into a movie. This is the next big thing. No, I never would have said that. When I first heard about this film, before Matt Damon and Christian Bale were ever cast, I thought this film was going to sh** the bed. I thought it was going to come out and it would go in the limited section so fast that it would make my head spin. But no, now they've presented me with enough trailers to show me that I do really, really want to see this. And I know, I bet they took many liberties with the story, but it doesn't look like, it doesn't make it obvious. It doesn't make it obvious like, oh, this never happened. They just added this to make the movie interesting. No. I think that the stuff that they're going to change from reality to make the movie interesting won't be that obvious. And also maybe it would just be making things speed up. Maybe this is a great, great example of an, of a plot that would make a better movie than a TV show. Because I think that if you drew this out, if you took this plot, if you took this idea and made it longer, I think it would suffer. I think that even though, sure, it's an interesting topic, I think that that it's delivered to us in this limited time format, I think that only serves to make it more interesting and intriguing. So yeah, this has Matt Damon in it. And that is just icing on the cake. Matt Damon can do no wrong. He can punch me in the face and I would ask him, hey, why didn't you kick me in the balls too? Because you are Matt Damon and you can do whatever the f*** you want. That being said, the next movie still looks better. But this doesn't look bad at 
all. Ford versus Ferrari gets an 8 out of 11. All right, folks, it is time for the pick of the week, and that film is called The Good Liar. Career con artist Roy Courtney can hardly believe his luck when he meets well-to-do widow Betty McLeish online. As Betty opens her home and life to him, Roy is surprised to find himself caring about her, turning what should be a cut-and-dry swindle into the most treacherous tightrope walk of his life. This stars Helen Mirren from The Queen, Ian McKellen from X-Men Days of Future Past, Russell Tovey from Being Human, and Jim Carter from Downton Abbey. And now you're like, oh, that's why. That's why Ford vs. Safari wasn't the pick of the week, because it's Helen Mirren and Ian McKellen. Two true cinema treasures. Two actors who have never been bigger. I mean, true, they've been well-known for a long, long time, but I think now, at least in the past 10 years, more than ever, these actors are just huge. And they can still do so much. They can do a they can do a tense drama like this one. They can do an action movie. They can do a uh, some genre film like sci-fi or fantasy. They can do it all because they're still great. And this looks really good. This this looks like there's way way more to it than the than the trailer and that the premise even hint at. I'm gonna make a prediction right now. I think Helen Mirren's character knows. Ian McKellen is a con artist, and I think she is either trying to entrap him or she is conning him. Because the bare bones of it, doesn't this movie, the, the, doesn't the premise sound so done before? We've seen movies like this. We've seen movies about some con artist, about some criminal who meets that one person who makes them want to turn their life around. Hell, how many 80s and 90s movies did we see about some asshole guy who befriends like the dorky or ugly girl at school just to fall for her and then learn his lesson. That's the same basic premise. So I think there's so much more to this because the trailer does hint that there is more. So worst case scenario, worst case scenario, we have a, we have a predictable movie that stars Helen Mirren and Ian McKellen. Even that is great. Best case scenario, we have a truly intriguing, truly interesting movie that took this idea that we're very familiar with and turned it on its head, and it stars Helen Mirren and Ian McKellen. That would be fucking amazing. So best case scenario, it blows our minds. Worst case scenario, we have a film that may not have an interesting premise, but has two legendary people in it. This looks like a win-win, but guess what? I'm still going to be honest. I, even though I do think if you see a movie in theaters, this should be it. I think, some of you know what I'm going to say, that I, I still don't think you need to see this in theaters. This could be a week that you don't see a movie in theaters. This could be a week that you catch up with a movie that you didn't watch previously. Maybe you didn't watch Terminator Dark Fate. I think you should. I think Terminator Dark Fate was the perfect movie for the cinema. I think it was a perfect movie for the big screen surround sound for all of that good shit. I think that Ford versus Ferrari, I think that, that The Good Liar would be just as good on the small screen. But hey, if you really wanted to see a new movie this week, make it this one. The Good Liar gets a 9 out of 11. So my future friends, you may have noticed that I had the Watch Mouth podcast promo and the We're Doing Fine promo back to back. That's because I am skipping the question of the week this week. Working with this new schedule is just is kind of weird and I and I really ran out of time, so I am going to push the question I was going to ask this week to next week and then also answer the questions that everyone asked next week as well. So that is actually it for episode 156 of Future Flicks with William. Thank you very much for tuning in and let's get moving with the closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, as well as any podcast app. You can also find me on the Somewhat Nerdy website, that's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. All the stars possible. And then share the podcast with your friends. That is how we grow. And how do you reach me? That's a great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. 
Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Please support us on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts, which are also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Support the friends of the shows whose ads you've heard during this episode. And don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy website for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.